My name is Lily Madden, and I'm a proud Aranda, Bundjalung, Kalkadun woman from Gadigal country. The Daily Oz acknowledges that this podcast is recorded on the lands of the Gadigal people and pays respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander nations. We pay our respects to the first peoples of these countries, both past and present. Good morning and welcome to The Daily Oz. It's Tuesday the 20th of June. I'm Sam. I'm Zara. Today is World Refugee Day, which is an international date set by the United Nations to celebrate the strength and resilience of people who've been forced to flee their homes because of conflict or persecution. In today's deep dive, we'll hear from South Sudanese writer and researcher Akuch Kol Anyef. That trauma acquired during civil war and in refugee camps migrates with the individuals that are still in Australia now. So trauma-informed care looked at the perpetrator as someone who needs a much more holistic approach. Before that, a big day in the Senate yesterday, Zara. It was. The legislation to trigger a referendum on the Indigenous Voice to Parliament passed yesterday on Monday. The referendum will now officially take place sometime between October and December of this year. And just a quick reminder, if you need a refresher on how referendums work, in order for it to succeed, the referendum needs to pass with support from a majority of voters across Australia, as well as the majority of voters in at least four out of six states. It's been a month to forget for PwC. It confirmed yesterday it's been affected by a global cyber attack incident. The attack on a third-party data transfer platform used by PwC has impacted hundreds of organisations and has affected what it described as a limited number of its clients. Climate protesters blocked ports in three Australian cities on Monday. Protesters from Blockade Australia disrupted operations at ports in Melbourne, Brisbane and Newcastle as part of ongoing efforts to bring attention to climate action. New South Wales Premier Chris Minns condemned the protests, telling Sydney Radio they created, quote, dangerous situations. And today's good news, a Queensland woman has won one of the most prestigious science awards in the world. Distinguished Professor Lydia Morawska won the 2023 Four Women in Science Award for her work in the field of air pollution, saying she hoped it would inspire more women to pursue scientific careers. She is currently a professor at the Queensland University of Technology. Sam, as we heard up top, it's World Refugee Day today. So tell me who we're going to hear from. Well, I'm going to play you a conversation I had with Melbourne-based writer and researcher Akuch Kol Anyeth. Akuch has had an incredible life. Her family fled South Sudan during the Civil War in 1996 when she was five. Then they spent nine years in a remote refugee camp in Kenya. And then in 2005, her and her family received a humanitarian visa to come to Australia. But of course, once they got to Australia, there was a whole new set of challenges for them to navigate as refugees. Fast forward almost 20 years, and Akuch is now a graduate researcher in crime, justice, and legal studies. And she's recently published an incredible memoir called Unknown. And this is all about her experiences living as a refugee, first in Kenya, and then settling in Australia. And what's remarkable about this account is the way it deals with violence, trauma, and racism, all while trying to settle into a new environment here in Australia. Here's that chat. Akuch, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast this morning. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. 
I'd love to dive into your journey uh, and some of the experiences you deal with in the book. But first, I wanted to ask you about this idea of trauma-informed violence and trauma-informed care. Can you break down for me what that actually means? Trauma-informed violence is a violence that manifests or that is perpetrated based on personal triggers of the trauma the person or the perpetrator has experienced in the past. And that could be childhood trauma, it could be trauma acquired during their adult life. My family and I, majority of the South Sudanese that settled in Australia, come from either South Sudan or neighbouring countries uh, from South Sudan. And the reason why the majority of them escaped was because of the, the civil war. So that trauma acquired during civil war and in refugee camps migrates with the individuals that are still in Australia now. And you can see that it can manifest in perpetration of family violence or youth offending or other social behavioural issues that are really informed by the person's past experiences. So what would an example of trauma-based care look like? for a refugee arriving in Australia? In terms of addressing perpetrators, trauma-informed care usually tends to take a non-punitive approach. So instead of addressing perpetrators as violent criminal that deserve to be sent to prison and throw the key away, trauma-informed care looked at the perpetrator as someone who needs a much more wrap around support, around mental health, right. emotional health. So it takes a much more holistic approach to address that individual, which can potentially lead to, you know, reduction in offending. Whereas non-trauma informed care would be a very punitive approach. You arrest someone, you go to court and you get a sentence and you get a, a punishment. So it must really frustrate you when you hear politicians talking about being tough on crime. Do you think that a trauma-based approach to less punitive measures is a hard sell for the community? Is that why it's not being adapted? I think when we talk about punitive approach or tough on crimes, it tends to be a very uniform blanket approach by the politician. So what does that do for migrant and refugee that comes from a very traumatic background. It's yeah. not that they're choosing to be violent, but because of their experiences are informing some of their behavior. Everyone's experiences are not the same. Even those who were born in Australia, like if you look at Indigenous First Nation communities and the Anglo-wide Australian communities, their experiences are different, but they're all Australian. So when you say tough on crime and we need to come up with policies that really apply a one-size-fit-all approach, I become really reluctant to uh, buy into that kind of policy. So in your experience, you get to Australia with your family as a refugee. What could have been different for your family if you did have the support of a trauma-informed care system at your disposal? Everything. It's a very simple answer. Everything from settling into the neighborhood, uh, school, you know, just everyday life. Because yeah. I think when when we arrive, um, everything was a barrier. Language was a barrier. <laughs> uh, employment was a barrier. Fitting in at school, there's a lot of 
challenges there fitting in within our neighborhood and within our community. Yeah. Uh, there was, you know, quite a um, number of resistance around, you know, those around us in terms of welcoming refugee. And that could have been from the fear of unknown. Like, you know, when someone lives down next door and, you you know, you've never seen someone that looked like them before, yeah. it's, a, it's a normal human reaction to turn to hold back. But I think a trauma-informed care would really address some of the emotional, mental health challenges that we migrated with, as well as navigating through all the settlement process in a, in a new country. You're a remarkable leader in your community. You have helped your family and community members a lot in terms of their encounters with the law. For you, what do those experiences look like? Those experiences are uplifting but also heartbreaking at the same time uplifting in a sense that i have the opportunity and the training to help those that needs the help within my capacity and i drive joy from doing that it's also uh, sad because i do yearn for a violent free community and violent free society and that can be difficult when you know every year the rates of family violence are either the same as the previous years or mm. they're increasing that they're, they're never decreasing it's, it really you know makes you wonder what can you do more uh, to make sure that you add to the you know the the good and the the vision of violent free society that we're trying to achieve akuch i'd like to now turn to the positives And I'd like to turn to your role as a leader and embodying the celebration of multicultural Australia. And you talk a lot in your book about how you want to celebrate South Sudanese history and culture and you want to contribute to the greater good in in your professional life but also in your personal life and in your community. What are the positive things you think we should know about the South Sudanese community in Australia and your history and culture? Some massive <laughs> questions, <laughs> and I feel really hesitant to answer it because I think if some of the aunties go and listen to this, they might be wanting to have their own perspective. But I think South Sudanese culture is is very beautiful. It's a very communal society. They love celebration. They love celebrating families and and lineages and uh, togetherness. Working through challenges together. It's a very communal society. Um, which is a huge benefit. I would say it's a very, very resilient community. If you look at the history of what South Sudanese have been through, from all the civil wars to, you know, to all the natural disasters, I mean, a lot of them are still here and doing so many great stuff to contribute to the Australian society. Some of us have been here for like 20 years and less, and they've been so much great achievement within the community in such a small, short amount of time. Akush, I think it is without question that I can say that you have made Australia a better place to be. We're very lucky to have the South Sudanese community as part of our fabric. So thank you for what you do every day when you rock up to work. It's a really pleasure to be here. I think there are so many privileges that I have had compared to if I was still in a refugee camp or in South Sudan. I thank Australia every day for 
allowing me to be here, especially the first Asian people who allow me into their land and you know make my my life and my family's life uh, meaningful. Thanks so much for joining us. My pleasure. Thanks for joining us today on The Daily Oz. If you learnt something from this episode, don't forget to hit subscribe so there's a TDA episode waiting for you each weekday morning. We'll be back again tomorrow, but until then, have a fabulous day.